Welcome back to Chosen the Podcast. My name is Adam. And I'm Father Jacob. And we are very excited to be with you again this week. Frosty, indeed, is not the only jolly, happy soul. Indeed, and hopefully we don't get sued for doing that. I don't know. Do you think that's copyright infringement? What do you think? We're not collecting any money for for this episode or for this podcast at this time, so... That maybe that qualifies as like the fair use or something? Something like that. Yeah, we're good. The bottom line is that we are joyful to be here with you today. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed our guest from last week, Father Declan McNicholas. We sure enjoyed having him on with us. Indeed, it was a good time. So, we are in the throes of Advent. Right in the middle of it, indeed. We just finished up Gaudete Sunday um, yesterday. Yeah, and you might have seen your priest wearing pink, but if you called it that, you'd be wrong, right? Yeah, my pastor growing up, uh, Father Mead, God rest him, he always used to say, it's not pink, it's a rose. Very firm on that. Indeed, indeed. And uh, I made sure to at least correct a few people and make some children cry over it. You know, it was a really important factor. Just really getting in the spirit. You yeah, know I mean? you know, it's all about joy, you know, Gaudete, <laughs> right? And so... What is that without making, you know, anyway, no, I'm just kidding. We hope that uh, as we've been entering this Advent season, if you've been following us on social media, hopefully you've been seeing um, the, the different videos that Father Jacob and I were able to um, put forward that were sponsored by St. Matthias. Shout out again. Woo-woo. To uh, Father Jim Wozniak. Um, if you haven't seen those, uh, go over to the St. Matthias uh, Catholic Parish, their social media, and check some of those out. We were able to do different video segments for the different Sundays of Advent, and then also one for Advent more generally, and then Christmas as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, Yeah, St. Matthias, Crown Point, Indiana. Go ahead and check it out. And uh, we got the series of YouTube videos coming out, like Adam said. So go ahead and check it out. Don't be afraid to go over. And who knows, maybe drop a like on their Facebook page. Father Jim will like that. He will. Indeed. So we're in Advent, like we were saying. Um, Father, have you done any decorating for for the upcoming celebration of the Lord's birth? Yeah, you know, I do, uh, I feel bad because my uh, my pastor, Father Marty, is really into Christmas and decorating and, like, hyped, you know? And he's been having the seminarian Will help him out, like, hang garland, hang wreaths. I mean, like, the, the church has a wreath, the school has a wreath, the rectory has a wreath, you know, like, all about it. The you wreath know? has a wreath. Exactly. <laughs> And there's, like, live garland going up. Wow. I mean, this is intense stuff. You know, he's committed to really preparing and embracing the Lord's birth in this way. And I feel bad because I haven't helped at all with it. <laughs> you, are the, you are the Scrooge of the household. I'm just like this deadbeat, you know, that is just watching them do all this stuff. And um, I, But the one thing that we did, we did get to do was um, there's a tradition at St. Michael's in Cherville uh, with the pastor and the associate where there is a Christmas tree farm, um, you know, about an hour east or so in some change of the parish, and it's no longer in business. Um, there's a older gentleman that's, you know, well into his late 80s, maybe early 90s, that, you know, of course, as we age, we start to slow down. And, you know, in his prime, he had the tree farm, and it was all like the shaker worked, you know, that shakes the needles off, and the thing that wraps the trees works, you know. Um, but since he's gotten older, a lot of the equipment's broken down and it's just slowed down. Um, but I had the privilege of driving out, you know, with Father Marty in the truck from the parish 
and I cut down the tree with the chainsaw. Nice. Oh, the, you did a chainsaw. It wasn't like nah. each of you had an end of the saw and you were just no. kind of going at it. <laughs> That's a little more like idyllic. Like our our rose, you know, our noses were like rosy. So you, know. you have earmuffs. Everybody has their hot cocoa it with was, marshmallows. Yeah, it's no, just, it was like almost 50 degrees. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're just like, let's do this. I was wearing like a that was butt. a terrible revving of a, a yeah, saw. Sorry yeah, about that. Go on. Yeah, your chainsaw is pretty, pretty, pretty broken. <laughs> it's pretty weak. Yeah, but... I mean, it was it was fun. I mean, and what's left of the trees out there? I mean, they're all tall, like they're gigantic. So I mean, our in our rectory we have pretty high ceilings, um, in like our living room, and so this tree is at least fourteen, if not fifteen feet tall. It's huge. Wow. Um. So when I say cutting down the tree, I mean like literally, it's the chainsaw because this thing's huge, you know. Um. But we had a great time, and I notched it out, fell down, and then it fell on the wrong side. So that was awesome, you know, comedy of errors. <laughs> well, at least it didn't uh, harm anybody in the chopping down of the tree. Yeah, I tried to get it to fall on what we were planning to be the back of the tree. You know, that would go in the corner. Oh, sure, yeah. So, like, if branches broke, you wouldn't really see it. Mm -hmm. And I dropped that right onto the front. That's all right. So we flipped it over and put it in the truck. <laughs> nice. So yeah, yeah, it was a good time. Good we, time. Um, yeah, we we do not have a live tree. Mm -hmm. uh, Molly and I weak. Yeah, I mean, eventually, I think when we have a house, our plan is to to have um, a live tree to really celebrate Christmas. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Speaking of commercialization, but the um, <laughs> the uh, we do we decorated maybe like two weeks ago. It's really fascinating. It was it was an instance where. Two people were saying the same thing, but meant very different things by them. So yeah. we said, today we are going to decorate for Christmas, which in my mind translated to, we are going to spend a half hour to an hour putting up the tree and then putting beautiful ornaments on it. Awesome. Right. But Molly's vision was more like, this will be a beautiful afternoon. We'll have some hot chocolate. We're going to put the tree up. We're going to put um, some lights out on the balcony. Mm, um, mm -hmm. It's going to be, like I said, an afternoon affair. So... Um, but it ended up being fabulous and uh, just another instance of, you know, my wife having uh, better and higher ideals than myself. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, I can relate to that reality. Like, I've lived with many different priests over my time as a seminarian and, you know, as a deacon and as a young priest, of course, in a new assignment. And all of them, all the pastors I've lived with have really express Christmas in a different way, ranging from, like, you know, Father Marty is, like, Max, you know, with, like, wreaths and He's garland like and tree. Father know. Christmas more so than yeah. Father Marty. Yeah, yeah, like, very festive, you know, awesome. A awesome experience of Christmas. Like, we're setting up, like, little villages soon, you know, like, we're going to be doing all kinds of stuff to bring in Christmas. And then on the other end of the spectrum is, like, when I lived at, you know, shout out again to uh, St. Matthias, uh, Father Jim, as Adam did as well, did, you know, as yeah. a seminarian when he was once preparing and now a married man, of course. But um, were you ever around the parish at St. Matthias at Christmas or no? I was at St. Matthias for Christmas uh, for a 4 p.m. mass on Christmas Eve. Nice. Okay. I, I later had food poisoning. Um, oh, I remember that. This. Was, that yes. was the Christmas where all of the seminarians were received food poisoning. I was just, I just missed that experience by yeah. a few years. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but I did make it to the 4 p.m. mass. So, there gotcha. you go. There you go. But uh, when I lived with Father Jim, his expression of Christmas was he bought like this, like two and a half foot tall tree 
that like wasn't a Christmas tree, but it was a plant that was cut into a cone. And he said, <laughs> Merry Christmas and put it on the counter. <laughs> I can, I'm laughing because I can see it. Like I can hear it and see the experience. It was awesome because then like watering it, it like overflowed all nice. over the counter. It was like, yes, this is awesome. You know, this is the fullness so, of the reality uh, of the messiness of Christmas, you know? I mean, you know, obviously we're spending some time talking about preparing and decorating. and mm-hmm. But realistically, and especially if you check out those YouTube videos, that's what Advent is. I mean, not necessarily with wreaths and lights, but but it's preparing. Yeah. It's opening our hearts um, and trying to prepare ourselves for the birth of Christ. And I mean, really, like, you know, you can get wrapped up in all the external stuff and commercialization, but, you know, if there is a legitimate, and I think, you know, like I said, all the priests I've lived with one way or another have expressed this in different ways, but if the reality of our external preparation helps prepare us internally, spiritually, to really enter into the mystery of Christmas, then have at it, you know, it's a beautiful thing. But, you know, over the coming weeks, though, uh... We have some different topics planned here, huh? What do you What are you thinking, Adam? Yeah. yeah so we're actually going to be having a series, and um, you know, it's interesting. My mom's she came to me maybe like a week or so ago, and she said, "I have a theme for Christmas this year," which I didn't fully know what that meant. But she's like, "My theme for decorating it's gonna it's gonna be the the theme that ties it all together is joy." Ah. And um, okay. so the decorations are joy and all that, and then like. Um, last week, Molly and I, and then my, my parents, we had a little double date type thing and we, um, drove around and saw Christmas lights and there was a lot of houses that had joy like lit up and, um, which makes sense. I mean, it is a joyful occasion. It's not just found in, you know, Frosty the Snowman's heart. It's not just found in Christmas carols. It is, um, the joy of recognizing that God loved us enough to send his son. Amen. And, uh, so, so we're going to have a series based on joy and the lens that we want to look at that through would be uh, the joyful mysteries of the rosary. Nice. And um, so, but before we dive into the mysteries per se, we're wanting to spend a little bit of time on just our, our proper understanding of joy and, and how that can shape our life, um, uh, particularly our, when we understand our life as being chosen. And mm. um, Which is the title of the podcast. <laughs> and then, um, but, and then next um, episode we'll spend a little bit of time um, with the first two mysteries joyful mysteries of the rosary and then um, with the third one and the third one will fall like fall pretty providentially and timely nice you know what that means but in any case <laughs> a little suspense just a little bit so let's let's pivot a little bit into the topic of joy father I mean I know, I know a lot of people are on the tail end of 2020. Yeah. And we, we talked about this a little bit when we had an episode on, you know, a response to chaos. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we look at the current landscape and we ask ourselves, where does joy find its place in my life mm-hmm. or in the world around us in a year like 2020? What do right. you say, What do you say to that? You know, I mean... Of course, I mean, we're not, you know, we're such in a place now where whether it's coming out of quarantine and, and having memory of that, or, you know, maybe some of our listeners, depending where they are, um, whether their state or country has entered into maybe a more um, serious, uh, um, uh, you know, like 
rule restriction and, and tightening of restrictions and their and their areas. But um, you know, the isolation from each other, from family, you know, from the sacraments. Um, then the reality as well as maybe some of our listeners or at least someone maybe that you know or that you uh, you know a friend of a friend kind of thing has known someone that has passed away um you know from covid and the pandemic um i mean for that matter like maybe there's just been experiences that you've had that um particularly around this time of year that maybe happened to you around this time of year in your own life or maybe you've lost someone and you'll be experiencing the holiday season for the first time without them and maybe you know that made thanksgiving extra hard um but you know Despite all of that, despite those setbacks, despite the challenges, despite all of that, there is still definitely a place in our hearts that we have to have for the reality of Jesus Christ and the reality of rejoicing and being joyful in his coming to us, like you were saying. One of the things that uh, I was thinking about the other day was that in 2020 Advent, we are in a unique space Mm -hmm. because... We, I mean, you think back to, um, you know, the Old Testament and the people of Israel experienced uh, exile. So basically their routine, their habits, everything that they once knew Mm -hmm. um, was taken from them and they were in a foreign land. But then, you know, eventually they'd come back to Jerusalem, but they were just, they were in a place of waiting, but Mm -hmm. they were waiting with hope and they were just, waiting for the Messiah to, right. to come. And, um, you know, that hope helped to give them joy. And I think when we're in this space right now, 2020, where it just feels like we're waiting and we're just like, you know, my routine's been taken from me. When, when am I going to get back to what I once knew? Like normal again, right? yeah, yeah. Um, and, and we want to get out of that feeling. Mm-hmm. And that's understandable. I'm right there with you. But, like, uh, I'm all I'm saying is that it puts us in a very unique situation it gives us a new appreciation for the season of Advent right. and, and what it means to wait. And ultimately, you know, God willing, we'll have um, the vaccine and God willing, you know, we're following the precautions and, and distancing and all that. Um, and all of that's going to be helpful, but ultimately it's recognizing that, you know, the Lord is present with us in the midst of it all mm-hmm. um, and that he is going to lead us um, out from it so amen i mean in particularly the reality of that anticipation as you know like we were saying we await that normalcy or we await that reality to come i mean i think in a like you're nail on the head like talking about being able to relate to the stories of the old testament or you know the reality of um even in those in that time frame before you know the disciples were um you know like awaiting the resurrection that they didn't know would happen yet you know right. with christ in the tomb um we, you know we kind of stand to benefit the reality of we know the story but you know we might be able to relate more of that reality as well of like that anticipation of something greater to come of you know the triumph the triumph of god or the triumph of goodness that will you know we pray for and long for in the in the time of all these uh, hardships and struggles part of what we can draw some of our joy from is, you know, the people of Israel, as they were, you know, and initially in a place of waiting, they're they're walking through the desert for 40 years, and they're wondering, like, when are we going to arrive to what was promised? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, God provided them with the manna and, and the quail, and, like, 
as as a way of nourishing them amidst the challenges. And so, like, right. you know, what is the manna and the quail in our own life? Maybe it's a friendship. Uh, maybe it is, um, you know, our family or our, our faith life. But those are those are some of the factors that are going to sustain um, our choice for joy. Mm. Mm. And I say choice for joy mm-hmm. because I think, and our listeners might may have heard this time and again, but I think it's worth talking about the difference between joy and happiness. Mm. Father, what do you think? I mean, I kind of am drawn to the reality of, you know, kind of like the fleeting emotion, you know, that someone can be happy at a particular circumstance or particular reality that they're facing in the immediate moment. Um, You know, I can be happy while I'm eating Papa John's pizza, (laughs) you know, for example, Boneless wings at B Dubs. Nice. I don't know. I mean, I can be happy drinking hot chocolate. There's a lot of different ways, you know. All of my examples have something to do with food. You <laughs> That's know, all right. right? You know, but hey, what can I say? You know, um, no. But there's just that sense and reality of it, it's something that's passing, mm-hmm. and joy has to be, and really, is necessary when we think about you know, eternal life or our eternal happiness, like that's more of the reality of what we're getting at with joy, like the fullness and reality of God and truth and beauty. I mean, you know, certainly good things can make us happy, you know. Um, There are some things that, you know, not so wholesome things that can make us happy, right? Mm -hmm. But only, you know, the true, true truth, beauty, joy, I mean, that's where it's going to come together you know, in God's plan. I think it, one thing that jumps out is what we've been talking about, the the challenges that you laid out in terms of the mm-hmm. possibility of losing a family member, or losing a job or restrictions. I think what that uh, picture paints is that if we're waiting for joy to fall into our lap, um, it, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, joy is not something that we passively gain or receive. It's something that we choose. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like basically like you're saying, Father, it's it's a disposition mm-hmm. of how we view life. Mm-hmm. And so somebody can be joyful even while they are experiencing um, the greatest pain or difficulty. I mean, we're, we are about to spend some time reflecting on the joyful mysteries of the rosary and and mm-hmm. you know a quick scan of them it's like okay the annunciation is the first joyful mystery but it's like what does the angel say to mary don't be afraid right there's mm-hmm. a little bit of fear going on even amidst the joy right um you know and and even um ultimately wait mm-hmm. what, what are you gonna say father no i was just gonna say like rightfully so a little bit of fear like encountering the angelic warrior you know right angels are not like the greeting card angel this is like a real angel yeah exactly fearful anyway please continue it's like then mary who is pregnant gets on uh, a beast of burden or she walks to Mm -hmm. see her cousin elizabeth right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it's like that that at the outset might not seem like the most joyful probably not hardship there yeah but you know maybe a little bit right yeah (laughs) (laughs) um or even what we're going to celebrate in a few weeks, the, the birth of Christ, it's like, yeah, that's super joyful, but something tells me that Mary wasn't envisioning giving birth in a cave. Um, Probably not. Apart from her family. You in know? a food trough. 
Yeah, so, you so, know. You know, again, I think if we are looking for joy, mm-hmm. like uh, in our outer circumstances, that things need to line up a certain way in order for us to be joyful or experience joy, mm-hmm. I don't think we have a real understanding of what joy is. Um, and so, you know, making the choice, and when you were talking about the distinction between happiness and joy, I thought about like the difference between flame and heat. Mm. So, mm, um, interesting. Yeah. Please, please elaborate. I don't know. And, and this is kind of like a <laughs> fresh idea, so I don't know how polished it'll be, but. Um, oh no, this is going to be good. I'm waiting for it. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm looking at a candle right now. I think that's why that came to mind. But Yankee candle, shout out. It's like balsam. It's awesome. It's my favorite scent. Is it? Yeah, of candles for sure. Yeah. It's closely followed by like a pumpkin or coffee or a cinnamon for the fall. Oh wow. my gosh. You you really like candles, huh? You know, I mean, it's just scents. All right, that's still okay. All right. Scents, no, you know, remind us of people, occasions. Anyways, so the flame yeah, and the Yeah, you know, heat. anyway, yeah, right, yeah, just play that off. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I don't know, I think that the, the true source of what enlightens our life is joy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That, and if it's going to be lasting joy, it's, it's something that is sparked within us by the person of Christ. Um, but that, you know, heat, like happy moments can often emanate mm-hmm. from our disposition of joy mm-hmm. but um you know there might be a, a wave of of heat emanating from the flame sure more so at one time more so than others mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. um so i don't know i think um i think that's important it's like do i have a disposition of joy right when i encounter the circumstances difficulties in my life. Yeah, amen. And you know, something that's pretty unique that we can kind of draw upon too and think about as well is, you know, if we were kind of mentioning earlier with that, you know, joking around about, you know, Father Mead, God rest him, and, you know, priests don't wear pink, we wear rose kind of reality, you know. Um, But, you know, there's something, um, you know, I was kind of looking into that a little bit in terms of, you know, like the third Sunday of Advent, Gaudete, you know, joy, in latin nice okay no i'm just kidding (laughs) Um, (laughs) but uh you know that whole reality of it's kind of you kind of like look into like why why rose or like why this color and there's kind of like two thoughts you know like first being you know it's kind of like a contrast to purple in Mm -hmm. some way you know and brightens it up a little bit yeah, and it's like a little bit lighter mm-hmm. than the purple, so it's kind of signifying like, and there's that period in Lent as well in which we wear um, pink for Laetare. Rose? Yeah, Laetare. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh my gosh, I just did it. Oh no. I have no <laughs> credibility. Laetare, uh, Sunday in Lent, um, where we wear rose. Um, but it's kind of like signifying to the people like, hey, um, the season's almost over. Like, it's a little bit of a difference in contrast of kind of marking, like, hey, like, we're kind of getting to the end here. Mm-hmm. So any preparations that you want to continue to make or maybe, like, you've fallen off of your preparations, whether that's Advent or Lent in some way to prepare for the coming of Christmas or the coming of Easter, then it's, like, a signal, yeah, you know, to us. Uh, like, hey, kind of, 
you know, bring it up a little bit, kick it up a notch. You know, we're kind of hitting the home stretch. Um, the other, the other symbol and like explanation that I've heard as well is that rose, rose, not pink, is the nice. uh, yeah I nailed it. Um, is the color of the horizon just before the sunrise, and so. just on the tail end of the darkness of night. Mm. Amen. Nice. There it is. So there's kind of like this reality too, you know, whether you go with one or the other of the explanations, who knows, right? But uh, the reality too of their, that little bit of that anticipation, it's like that color of anticipation for that reason. And it's that color of like, oh my gosh, we're so close. You yeah. know, we're almost there. You know, the train is almost arrived. I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. um, one of the passages that, came to mind when we were getting ready to record for this episode was uh, Jesus speaking to um, the disciples towards the end of the Gospel of John, I believe. No, nah, probably middle, maybe like 10th chapter or something. Um, Jesus says, No one takes my life from me, but rather I lay it down freely. Mm. Um, and you're like, what in the world does that have to do with joy? Um, everything. Well, I just think a lot of times in our speech, it's like, you know, ah, this, this person made me mad or like mm -hmm. this, this thing caused the disruption of my peace or my joy. And I think if we frame ourselves and our mindset off the person of Christ and listen to what he says about his life, right? His joy, the joy that he can only give the joy that makes our joy complete. It's like, no one takes that from me. Right. Right. And so, um, in the same way, again, if we have that as our disposition, not the fleeting sense of happiness, like you were referencing, Father, but right. as a core disposition, that sense of joy, because ultimately it comes from Christ rather than the externals, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then um, no one can, no one or situation can take it from us. I mean, I'm sure it can be challenge, more challenging at times than others, mm -hmm. but, um, and it's like, okay, well, practically speaking, what can be helpful with that, right? Right, right. And one of the things that came to my mind, and I mention this sometimes with um, clients, there's this practice, and some people like it and some people don't, but I figured I'd toss it out because, you know, why not? Yeah, no, please. Um, it's called cognitive diffusion. Fancy. Yeah. Okay. It sounds really cool. I got to say, I only know about one kind of diffusion, <laughs> and it's related to, like, cell membranes. Yeah. You know, my science stuff I did, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know anything about that, but, but I do... But, please, cognitive diffusion, <laughs> segue... Uh, yeah. So basically the observation with cognitive diffusion is that particularly in the world today, we, we see that there can be two approaches with our emotions. Like there can either be a hyper focus on our emotions. Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. it's, we, we experience them so strongly, like we almost become them. And then there's the opposite end of the spectrum where it's like, we try to be all stoic and not pay attention to emotions. Neither of those are ideal. Like we want to kind of find that middle no, space. No, I think the second one is probably <laughs> ideal speaking from my own experience <laughs> and masculinity. Well, uh, we'll talk after the show, Father. But <laughs> yeah. I think, <laughs> I think um, you know, basically what cognitive diffusion says is we want to not, not go to the one polarity of like repressing or ignoring emotions. Right, right. But at the same time, we don't, want our emotions to be us, right? To be so saturated and consumed by them. Yeah. Um, have them take them from us and not take them from us. Well, it's interesting because it's like, 
you know, you, you don't want to be dictated by your passions. There's exactly. a place for a reason over that. You exactly. know, a little Thomas thrown out there. Yeah, a little so Aquinas. It's, it's almost like there is, like, the pursuit of objective truth in the theology and writing of the saints that applies to science. Wow. Oh, my gosh, that we've had it now. Like, what? Groundbreaking. Oh, my gosh. Because <laughs> there's only one kind of truth, ladies and gentlemen. That's the fullness of truth. The word. Boom. But in any case, please continue. So... Basically, um, cognitive diffusion says, okay, um, I'm going to work to have some space between myself and what I'm experiencing or an emotion that I recognize in myself. We're still recognizing the emotion. We're still recognizing the experience. This isn't repression. Not suppressing it. Right. right. Okay. We're recognizing it, but we are, instead of the emotion dictating to us the trajectory of our day or what we're going to do, mm -hmm. because we've kind of taken that step back acknowledged it we make a decision on what we are going to do or how we are going to handle that emotion sure so um you know that um it, it's it's kind of tied in a little bit with the the mindfulness like type of practice yeah yeah um but allowing for that that space, and we can see this even in the way that we speak sometimes. Sure. So if I'm driving down um, 49 and okay. somebody okay. cuts me off. Rule, you know, like highway. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. 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 Um, oftentimes I'll say, I'm mad. Right. I don't say, I'm feeling mad. I'm not, I don't say, I'm feeling frustrated. I say, yeah. I'm mad. There's and, and then you accelerate and slam into them, right? <laughs> that would, that would not be ideal. <laughs> Oh, um, so you just suppress it? N no. <laughs> See, those are the extremes, right? See, don't do that. So, but in my, the middle. I mean, so only hit him a little bit. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but my point is, um, even in our speech, it's reflective, right? Like, and I think that's a small way that we can begin to do that, right? If you're upset, let's say you are angry, right? We're talking about a disposition of joy. People can be joyful, but they can also be frustrated and sad. We we already said that. You know, but in those moments when you're feeling angry, mm -hmm. you know, try a little practice. Like, don't say, I'm mad. Say, I'm feeling mad. I'm yeah. feeling frustrated. Put yeah. that put right. that space and that separation between you and the emotion. Mm -hmm. And then that allows you the opportunity for you to determine what you're going to do with it rather than it determining what it's going to do with you. Yeah, you know, and I know the connotation of the word detachment is a little strong maybe in this circumstance. But it almost seems like you want to have a little bit of like detachment of your passions in the sense that you don't want to ignore them or suppress them like you're saying, but you don't want them to be so powerful and dominating that you're just being a victim of it. No, oh, yeah. Um, you know, like rather there's a little bit of space like you're kind of describing uh, in that reality. So nice. Yeah. I, I can buy that. Okay. And that's cognitive diffusion. Cognitive diffusion. Wow. I feel a lot smarter now. <laughs> That's great. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. So, um, so again, you know, just trying to be, and I think that's, it's, it's a daily decision, right? The decision for joy is a daily one, um, that we need to make in connection with our Lord. And for the days when we feel like maybe we can't make that choice for ourselves or we feel a little overwhelmed, those are the days when we ask our Lord to make it for us and we cling on to him. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because I think the there's a particular danger um, 
you know, I'm kind of thinking about what you're saying. There's like this danger in this reality, um, particularly with our modern world mm-hmm. and kind of where it's at. You know, it's not that we have to be like alienated all the time from our secular culture. Like there's certain redeeming and good values and, you know, whether it's our own American culture or other cultures, you know, there's definitely like nuggets and pieces of truth and goodness in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's it seems to be overwhelming more and more. That's just not the case as kind of the like our own conscience as Catholics and like what's true and good kind of is, you know, deviating more and more from our, our reality. And uh, Pope Francis says in The Joy of the Gospel, one of his encyclicals, that the great danger in today's world, pervaded as it is by consumerism, is the desolation and anguish born of a complacent yet covetous heart, the feverish pursuit of frivolous pleasures and a blunted conscience. And he continues and finishes here, God's voice is no longer heard. The quiet joy of his love is no longer felt, and the desire to do good fades. I mean, God's voice is no longer heard, and the quiet joy of his love is no longer felt, and the desire to do good fades. So, I mean, we can get so wrapped up in so many different pursuits and realities, and I mean, to even think that, like, I'm above it is, like, delusional, right? right? I mean, come on, like, I'm a human being, and I've been you know, produced by this culture, by this world, you know, the reality of living in it and being a part of it. But, you know, we're called to kind of rise above that. That's challenging. When you shared that quote, one of the things that jumped out to me, um, Father, is, you know, I am a big fan of Bishop Barron. Word on fire, shout out. Read and um, read a lot of his books, listen to his podcast weekly, YouTube videos. I might or might not use a lot of his homily ideas every week nice so spoiler alert at st michael's in Cherville, if you're listening to my preaching it might or might not be directly related to word on fire every week so you know if you want a spoiler then listen to it before the homily anyway he uh he talks about like the path to holiness and he does so in three parts we're not going to go into all three i just want to focus on one of them he says find the center center know you're a sinner and recognize that your life is not about you as a like a recipe for holiness the threefold way and um when he talks about finding the center he references um the rose stained glass windows and cathedrals of europe yep and basically in the rose circular window there would be an image of our lady or it was always christ but like maybe our lady would be holding the the -hmm. christ child Mm -hmm. and then around uh the rim of that circular window on the top would be a man wearing a crown, mm-hmm. and underneath him in Latin it would say, I am reigning. And then you go to like the three o'clock area on the clock, if you're looking at it that way. Right, right. And it's him falling, and he's and his crown is falling off, and it says underneath, um, I, I reigned. And mm. then on the bottom it shows him no crown, sitting with nothing, and it says, I have nothing. And then at the... Um, nine o'clock area on the circle. Right, kind of like the ascent kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, he's kind of climbing up and, and right. it says, I will reign. And so every point on the rim of the wheel, they used to call it the wheel of fortune. That's where that comes from. Every <laughs> No, yeah, no. Every point oh on, my gosh. on the rim of the wheel oh. is a point of anxiety because the person on top is worried about the person coming up behind them to knock them off. Mm. The person falling down is anxious about 
no, falling down. The one on the bottom has nothing, and he's worried about that. And then yeah. the one climbing up is that drive and that anxiety. So the lesson is uh, don't live your life on the rim of the wheel. Mm. Find the center. So find Christ, and you still experience you know, the, the events of the rim of the wheel, but you do so not on the rim where everything's shaky, but you do so in Christ, alongside Christ in the center, and you look on the, those events together. And I think that that's the disposition in which you sustain a real sense of joy. Yeah, and ultimately the perspective in which, you know, that only comes by being close to Christ. I mean, at the center, right? I mean, you can kind of see a new perspective and a new take on the outer edge if you're standing in the center compared to the edge, obviously, right? right. So there's the reality of knowing you know, that being centered in Christ is the priority compared to being out on the fringes of that reality. So, man, that's good stuff. Yeah, I but, agree. I like it. Yeah, that's so. a really nice image. So, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, teaser on our little series for joy this week. And, uh, you know, just uh, enjoy, uh, enjoy, uh, you know, the reality of uh, having finished up Gaudete Sunday and kind of embracing that joy and that experience of almost being concluded with Advent in this penitential season and that Christmas is around the corner. But, I mean, I think most importantly, I mean, take that feeling of being rooted in that joy to everything, right? I mean, otherwise it's like if we're not going to carry that kind of reality with us, that joyfulness disposition with us, then what's the point of it? You know, right. if it's not going to be transferred to all aspects of our life. So, amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. amen, yeah. So, my friends, that kind of brings us to our, uh, you know, wrapping up point for this week's episode. It's been great, uh, you know, Adam, to talk a little bit about joy and uh, cognitive diffusion. Nice. Did I get it? You got it. Dude, nice. So, but my friend, that's all we have time for this week. And so, be sure to, you know, follow us on social media, like the Facebook page. Like we mentioned, uh, check out the videos on St. Matthias's uh, and Crown Point uh, social media. And also give us a follow on Instagram. And who knows, maybe you could share this podcast uh, with some family, with some friends, uh, you know, low-level barrier to, you know, get them a little bit thinking about the faith. Yeah, so. and uh, continue to accompany us on this uh, journey through through joy as we look at the joyful mysteries in the weeks to come. All right. Awesome. Well, there we go. God bless you, my friends. Talk to you soon about some little bit more of the joyful mystery. See you soon. God bless.